Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Story time. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. My dad lives in West Virginia. I'm from Alaska and have lived here most of my life. While visiting my dad in 1995 or 1996, I was walking through the woods. Something large took off from a tree above me. I've seen some big birds. This was the biggest bird I've ever seen. For scale, eagles, albatross, and sandhill cranes are common on the Kenai Peninsula, where I'm from, but this was bigger. Way bigger. And the wings were leathery. 
I told my dad and he laughed and said I startled moth man, but really it was probably just a buzzard. I don't think it was and at the time I didn't think it was moth man, but maybe it was. I know people that cross the Chihuahuan desert, they would tell me of tall winged figures with red eyes that would follow them on occasion. Their coyote would always advise them to not look at the figures because some that did would become paralyzed with fear. Also if you google Cahokia Birdman you will find that at the ancient pyramid mound complex at St. Louis, they excavated several pendants and tablet carvings of a man with wings, perhaps a religious cult centered around this creature that goes back a thousand years? Not my own story, but one of my colleagues, a park ranger who's been doing this for a long time, told me about an incident while escorting some boy scouts out of the park at night to get them to their cars. He had to cross a creek that was roughly four feet deep and just over three feet wide. As he approached the water's edge with his flashlight, there were large sounds from both sides of him, growling from up in the surrounding cliffs. It sounded something like a big bear and a wolf but much deeper. He told me it was the scariest thing he's ever heard, even though they weren't exactly close. He knew whatever it was sounded big, and it was not going to let him pass without taking a swipe at him or potentially chasing him off. So, he angled his flashlight beam to light up the water's surface, shouted at the boys crossing, stay away from the edge of the creek. Hurry or we'll be here all night and they got across safely by jumping. As soon as they were out of sight, he heard a loud crashing sound in front of him. He kept shining his light straight away but never saw anything. He got the sense that whatever it was was trying to stay hidden in the darkness. He didn't think much about it, though, until a few years later when I asked if he's ever seen anything creepy after dark. He said, no way whatsoever. I've been doing this for years, and there is something very spooky about that stretch of land, especially past sunset. In fact, the following summer, yet another ranger was going to check on a family, a mom, dad, and son, all hikers, and he thought they were still out near the same area. When he got close enough to their campsite, he saw all three sets of tent footprints coming across the creek but only one set going back into the woods. He found them all dead, and he had to write down that it was an attempted mauling by a bear, but they had been partially eaten on. That's the ranger that I was emailing you about prior who had sent me a photo taken up at sunset. Even that boy scout troop leader said what he saw resembled what looked to be a large wolf, and he believes it's the infamous Michigan dogman. Anyway, you really don't want to go camping in these parts at night. The woods just are not really safe anymore. Me and my cousin back in 1994. We were both outside playing, riding bikes, etc. We looked up because we saw a big human-like bird fly above us lower than the palm trees that were in front of my cousin's house. I remember it had just got dark outside so we could still see the blue sky above us, so it wasn't completely dark. It was a huge person with very large wings. It didn't look at us. It just flew above us and we both looked at each other and ran inside and told our parents but they, of course, didn't believe us. 
We are both 36 years old now and we both remember this vividly. Well, the eyes were glowing reddish orange like a furnace, and the height was closer to 8 feet. Very broad shoulders or the wings made it look like that. The silhouette was blacker than the night sky behind it. It was 1985 and I was 19 years old just sitting on the lounge chair watching TV when I had a feeling someone was outside in the backyard. So, I pulled the curtain back and saw this being and it sent an immediate flight, no pun intended, response to my brain. As fear turned into anger as I got out of the chair and headed into the kitchen. I got two knives holding blades towards my elbows and headed into the backyard. I saw nothing, but the air was colder in that spot where I saw it and there were no crickets or anything making noises. This sighting occurred in Tempe, Arizona. My two cents worth. For some background info, I was raised in the desert southeast of New Mexico on two different ranches, so I am very well versed in the flora and fauna of our beautiful state. I even used to track semi-professionally for hunters and our local trapper. I know the critters around this state. We always lived on very remote ranches, sometimes 50, even 75 miles from the nearest actual town. In my senior year of high school, I moved out on my own being a part of the DECA program, to live closer to my job and school. Living about 12 miles from Artesia NM, where my school and job were, seemed like living right in town after all of that. I guess my story starts in April of 1999. My boyfriend and I were rooming with a couple in a trailer house just outside of Lakewood NM. We rented a room from them and sometimes watched their two kids as part of our rental agreement. For a few weeks that April, a lot of the neighboring landowners had been complaining about wild dogs coming up from the river and harassing their dogs and scaring their livestock. We were about a mile from the Pecos River, and wild dogs have indeed been a problem in the area. One guy had even reported some structural damage to one of his chicken coops. The couple we lived with had two dogs, both of them medium-sized terrier mixes, and neither one of them was on the cowardly side. They had been getting very skittish about going outside at night, though. So much so that we had to make sure to let them out right at sunset and again at sunrise because they would not leave the trailer house otherwise at night. One Saturday night, at about 11 p.m., I know it was a Saturday because I had neither work nor school, near the end of the month, the four of us were sitting around watching TV and just basically talking about stuff when the dogs who were asleep in the master bedroom on the far east side of the house, started growling and barking at the window on the south wall of the bedroom. This was really unusual behavior for them, so we all got up to see what they were on about. By the time we got there, the dogs had shifted their barking away from the window and seemed to be barking at the wall and along the wall, like they could smell something there, but it was moving. It was very strange and when they came up to the end of the room, their barking just went crazy. Suddenly, from farther down the wall, at the same time, about where the kitchen was, we all heard this loud thump and scuffling sound. It was powerful enough that we actually felt it, with it being an 80x16 trailer house and all. The dogs, at this point, 
Just completely lost it. They cried out a high-pitched whine and just dove under the bed. We all ran out of the bedroom, down the hall, and into the kitchen to see what the heck was up. Peering out the kitchen window was pointless, as it was late, there was cloud cover, and the moon wasn't even out. We heard the scuffling noise again, from further down the house, and went into the living room to see what was up. We were all really confused at this point. The next few moments seemed to happen in slow motion. Appearing in the living room window from the left and looking right in on us from the glass was. I don't know what. From the shoulders up was what I can only describe as a man-dog. Its shoulders were quite human, with short sleek hair, but it had the head of what looked to be a Rottweiler. And the teeth. Oh my god. The teeth on this thing. All four of us screamed at about the same time, and I guess that scared it off because it just disappeared. That image is forever seared into my head. Also of note, this was a trailer house, so the bottom of that window was easily six feet off the ground, meaning this thing was seven foot something. No matter how big of a dog or wolf it was, it could not have stood up and looked at us like that, in that window. The guys, being guys, immediately grabbed their shotguns and headed out the door, even though I told them it was a bad idea. Super dark desert night? big unknown critter? Uck, no, I guess they were out there looking around for it for about 20 minutes before they came back inside and said they couldn't see anything. The light from the house shining on it and it being so close to the window were the only reasons we saw it in the first place. None of us really slept well that night. It just felt creepy. The next morning, I got up early and decided to go have a look around to see if there were any tracks to identify what the heck it was. The grass and weeds that were right beside the house pretty much hit any tracks it made there. Although, I did find where it looked as if something had clawed at the siding, along the bottom of the house, in a couple of places, making the thump and scuffling sounds the night before. I then decided to follow the tracks the guys had made, and that was when I made a second, very unnerving discovery. The guys made clear tracks in the sandy dirt, and whatever it was out there did as well because it was pretty much circling them the entire time they were out there, at a distance of about 40 feet. The tracks were huge, canine, and switched back and forth from four tracks to two, meaning it was walking bipedally for at least half the time it circled them. Just freaking creepy. My friend and I saw the Mothman in January 2012 in my hometown, Mexico City. It was terrifying. The next morning we thought it wasn't real but got it real when my neighbors told me they saw it too over my house. We thought it was a weird alien with wings. When I moved to the USA, I realized the Mothman was the same creature we saw. I still think of that today. I live in Warwickshire, United Kingdom. Earlier this year, Jan or February 2023, I was standing outside having a cigarette and observed what I thought was a large black bird or even hang glider darting in and out of the clouds, almost playfully back and forth, which looked really odd. I'm a bit of a plain buff so this really grabbed my attention, it was midday, 
So I grabbed my binoculars and basically saw a moth man but with more clearly defined legs and a faster wing beat. I'd estimate it was about a mile or so away and looked pretty big. I watched it for about 5 minutes before it flew into the clouds. It kind of looked for one of better words like a black angel and did make me feel uneasy at the time. I found this very strange journal when I was hiking in Yellowstone last summer. Normally I wouldn't even bother to mention it, but when I found it just sitting off the edge of the walkway around the big hot springs, I was curious. It was one of those really classic leather-bound journals, and I love all of those rustic styles. After picking it up, I looked around at the crowd of people roaming across the walkways, thinking maybe someone just dropped it, but no one looked like they were looking for something. I even shouted that I found it, hoping the owner would come for it, but after getting a few strange looks, I figured the owner was long gone. At this point I was very curious as to what was in it, and I figured I might find some information to allow me to locate the owner, so I thumbed through it. What I found was shocking. Now, initially I thought it was just a story. You know, kind of like those creepypastas they have on Reddit, but as I continued to read, it was clear that this was not just a creepy story. Something is going on at Yellowstone, and I think everyone needs to know, before it's too late. What I am about to tell you may sound like flat-out insanity, or someone trying to play a joke, but I swear, this is real. After I read the entire journal, I was thinking the same thing. I thought it was just a story, then even tried to brush it off as a joke, but my curiosity got the better of me, so I looked into it, and I even spent the rest of my vacation investigating the information in this journal. I mean if it was real, I had to know, or at least calm my fears and worries. What I found was far more terrifying than I had even imagined. Let's get back to the journal. It was written by a gift shop worker named Sarah who worked at the old Faithful Basin store. She wrote that she was very friendly and would often chat with the customers about their vacations and such. She was so well-liked apparently that she often got repeat visits from customers, sometimes just before they would leave, or because they felt comfortable with her and she was honest. Whatever it was, Sarah was definitely not a wallflower by any means. She wrote that she began to notice visitors disappearing. She started to get concerned when visitors would ask about their missing relatives, although there were no missing persons listed in the daily bulletin. Apparently the day after they would be chastised for breaking a park rule by a park ranger, they would mysteriously disappear. Sarah wrote that the visitors would tell her that they reported their friend or family member missing to the park rangers, and a few hours later would be told that they were seen leaving the park. Yet the customers would often say they tried calling their missing companion, but just couldn't get a hold of them. She tried to calm their fears by telling them that there was often terrible cell service due to the mountains. Her worries started to grow as more and more people would go missing, yet not a single one of them would show up on the missing reports. It was at this point when she started to look into this strange event. Sarah began offering to keep a lookout for the missing person and traded phone numbers with the frantic families. Now I know what you are thinking. I looked into missing persons reports at Yellowstone, and none of the people listed missing in the journal are listed in the missing persons registry at the park. 
Not a single one of those people that she described is listed as missing in the park, yet the families, swear up and down that they went missing in the park. I even asked, myself when I called the Yellowstone Park Service claiming to be a journalist, and every time I mentioned one of the missing, and I mean every time, I was informed that particular person was seen leaving the park. Clearly there was more to this than the park service was willing to admit. I had decided to spend the rest of my summer vacation looking into this issue. Okay so back to the journal. In the next section of the journal, Sarah said she started to look into these missing persons with a greater intensity, spending her evenings researching each individual, trying to find any connections or links between them. She started questioning a few park rangers, asking simple questions such as, have you heard about this person? Their family said they went missing from campground A. And did you happen to see this person actually leave the park? After a couple of weeks of questioning the visitor disappearances, she came home to find a note pinned to her front door. When she read the note, she was shocked to find stop looking, you wouldn't want to lose that precious job you seem to love so much. This however only served to solidify her determination to investigate the disappearances. Clearly this wasn't just a tourist lost in the miles of park. Something sinister was actually going on. After a couple of weeks of investigating and finding no real leads, Sarah happened to overhear a couple of park rangers talking. Their hushed discussion seemed unusual, prompting her to decide to follow them at the end of her shift. As soon as her shift ended, with her mind almost entirely focused on the mystery, she didn't even notice when she almost slammed into the back of same two rangers she overheard earlier, and after cheerfully saying something like oh I am so sorry, I didn't see you. I will see you tomorrow, have a great night, she shuffled away quickly in the direction of the parking lot, as if to go to her car. The rangers seemed to ignore her presence as she continued down the path. Once she was sure they were not paying any attention to her, she ducked behind a tree, and waited until they were almost out of sight before following them down the path. Being a gift shop employee, she was not used to the long hike, and after what seemed to her like miles, she began to become nervous as the sun was started to set behind the mountains, and yet the rangers never stopped. Sarah began to question her determination as thoughts of bear and bison attacks began to slip into her mind, since she saw daily reports of visitors having encounters, but she pushed them away and steeled her resolve, and continued her pursuit of the rangers. Hours later she crept along the path as the half-moon rose, casting an eerie glow in the darkness as she pursued the rangers. Sarah was starting to become convinced that the rangers were only checking the park after closing, and just as she started to turn around, she noticed a new light just over the rise. As she slipped from tree to tree, getting closer to her quarry, she began to notice the odor of sulfur and mixed with pine. She finally crested the rise, and saw a cabin with an odd chimney in the center. Anxiety filled her as she debated getting closer to the cabin in order to see what was going on inside, but fear won the day, and she retreated. It took nearly three hours to return, almost getting lost several times along the way. Once she reached the parking lot, she immediately drove home, without stopping, constantly checking her review mirror, worried she might be followed. Thankfully, she never saw anyone follow her, and her fear and anxiety began to subside. Once she reached home, 
She breathed a sigh of relief and started to think the entire event over in her mind. Sarah wrote how determined she was to still look into what was going on, and decided to use her day off to check out the cabin during the day. Apparently she was so excited and nervous, she slept fitfully, but woke up even more determined to solve the mystery. She wrote that she felt she was living one of those mystery books she loved to read. The next morning Sarah decided to skip her breakfast instead opting for a few protein bars. She also made certain she was dressed appropriately for the long hike to the cabin. After driving to the store parking lot, she decided that it might make the park rangers suspicious if they saw her car in the lot and not working, so she decided to park a bit further up the road, off a small unmarked trail. She then hiked for several hours in the direction of the cabin, making sure she was alone and not seen by any park rangers. She didn't want to blow her chance to find out what was really going on. After almost three hours of hiking, Sarah was about to give up, and panic started to set in, thinking she had gotten herself lost in the miles of forest, when she finally crested a small rise, and found the strange cabin again. The cabin was even more unusual in the day. It was roughly circular with a central chimney that still seemed to exhaust smoke that smelled awful. It was then she realized that it was not smoke but steam, and in flash of understanding, concluded that the cabin was built around a hot spring that wasn't listed on any of the park maps. The facade of the cabin was clearly the original, appearing to have been built at the turn of the century. The rest was definitely upgraded, looking no more than 10 years old. After spending the next hour watching every direction, and closely watching the lodge for any movement, she finally decided to get closer and find out what was going on. Sarah quickly crept up to the building, and looked into several windows just to be certain no one was around. After confirming that she was alone, she circled around to the main entrance. The door was unlocked, which surprised her. If this was Park Service property, or even USGS, the building should be locked when no one was on site. She almost decided to leave at that moment, but her curiosity got the best of her, and she pressed on. She swiftly opened the door, and quickly closed it behind her, while tiptoeing down the entranceway. There was a room on the right, and on the left before the main doors into the room surrounding the spring. She chose the room on the right first, hoping to find some sort of information relating to the building. Once she opened the door, she was shocked to find neatly folded stacks of clothing with a pair of shoes on top, and the occasional hat, backpack, or purse, many of the piles had a camera as well. It was done so well, and so carefully, as if lovingly prepared. The image was shocking, reminding her of the old horror movies where the killer has a shrine of their victims. Sarah's heart started beating faster, and her breath caught in her throat as she looked around the room. There were dozens of neat stacks, maybe even fifty, as she looked closer she noticed that the further down the line, the clothing became more dated, the rows ending in clothes from the turn of the century. It was clear something sinister was going on. Frantically she began to search the clothing for any kind of identification, and yet, every single stack had nothing, even the cameras had no film, or memory cards. She concluded that any identifying information was deliberately removed. Suddenly a large bang echoed down the hall. Her heart jumped to her throat, 
as she frantically looked around. Fearing that she might be caught, she bolted down the hall to the doors into the spring room. The moment she entered, a wall of oppressive heat overwhelmed her, and she nearly started to cough on the fumes of sulfur. Stifling a cough and a gag, she stumbled around, desperately searching for a place to hide. As she scanned the area, she saw a large path that led to the center of the pool, at the end a large altar. In a stroke of luck, she noticed a large enough space beneath the altar where she could hide. Quickly she wedged herself into the recess and waited. Sarah wrote that she waited for only a few short minutes, before she began to hear voices and footsteps. As sweat began to drip into her eyes, she could hear the pleading of a young girl. I swear I won't ever jump the fence again. Just let me go. I promise, I won't ever break another rule. I don't want to get in trouble. It was only maybe a minute when the pleading suddenly switched to a short shriek and desperate cries. Please no. I won't ever come back, I won't tell anyone, please, please, please. While the girl was begging for what seemed to be her life, Sarah started to notice a calm murmur of many voices. She wrote that she could hear what seemed like a prayer or a chant, but she could not make out any of the words. As she strained to hear what was being said over the girl's sobbing, suddenly the chant stopped and after only a few heartbeats later, a loud blood-curdling scream that was quickly cut off following a splash. Sarah wrote that she was in a near panic attack, she had no idea what was going on, but she thought she had stumbled into a satanic cult murdering people. That thought was quickly extinguished when she felt a deep rumble and then the heat became oppressive. A sudden thought that she would be steamed like a clam flashed through her mind, and then a disgusting odor became far more apparent. This was more than just the smell of sulfur, which she had become used to, it was like a thousand bodies were rotting, and fecal matter mixed with the smell of sulfur. Her stomach roiled and she choked back bile. Out of nowhere, a deafening roar filled the enclosed room, that ended as quickly as it started. Sarah wrote she had no way of knowing if she would be caught, so she fought to remain absolutely silent. Seconds ticked by, and in only a few short minutes, the smell retreated, and the heat began to drop. She could now breath more comfortably, but it still felt like a sauna. It was at that moment, that the group began to chant anew. This was surprisingly brief, and once it was complete, she could hear the footsteps of the cult retreat. Sarah was concerned that if she got up too soon, she would be caught, so she waited for many long minutes. After nearly 30 minutes had passed without a single sound, Sarah slipped out of the crevice and quickly looked around. There was no one around her, and she then instinctively looked into the pool. It was just the same as it was when she arrived. Taking no chances, she quickly gathered her wits, and bolted from the building. Exiting the cabin, the mountain air rapidly cooled the sweat that had drenched her clothing. At this point she was running on autopilot, sprinting her way back out of the woods towards her car, her mind in shock. She was unsure what she just heard, and what the hell she had smelled. Maybe it was actually hell. She reached her car in record time, less than one-third of the time it took to reach the cabin. Her body shaking, she jumped into her car, and skidded out of the trail, onto the road, and back in the direction of her home. There is more to come, I will post more from her journal in a couple days. I need to look into this more.
Something is going on. I had an encounter, about 1994 in the summer in the Cascades. It was, there were two objects there. I had a 40-pound backpack, I was up by Trout Lake between Big Heart and Little Heart Lake, North Cascades. It was about, I don't know, a 6 or 8 hour hike back there. I never said this publicly. Anyway, I saw these two objects. I thought they were bears because they were down on all fours. I sat down to rest a little bit and I saw these objects. Then all of a sudden I saw them stand up and I thought it was bears standing up on their hind paws. They were, I imagine, 200 feet away. After they had left, they walked away and, as I say, they were six and a half feet tall, something like that. So when I got my courage up, I went over to where they were to see what they were doing and there were some wild strawberries and stuff there. They were kind of dark brownish colored. They were not bears. Definitely not bears because I've shot bears before. I was scared out of my pants. Back in 1994, when I was 18, we used to party out at the TNT area all the time, in Point Pleasant. One night we noticed that we were being observed by something that bore a striking resemblance to Mothman. It seemed to be afraid of light. Flashlights, headlights, etc. It would even back off when I took a draw off of my cigarette. At the time I dismissed it because of the amount of alcohol in my system but I saw it again while I was deployed in Iraq in 2005. I made an observation of a Sasquatch many years ago. It was 2002. I lived in the Portland, Oregon area at that time and I did a lot of wilderness hiking in the Cascades. I decided to go hike to a lake, it was bigger than a pond but smaller than a lake. It was northwest of Mount Adams and southwest of Mount St. Helens. I had a four-wheel drive. It took me about 20 miles of driving to get up there and then a couple miles of hiking. I came in on the southwest corner of this lake. And at the very north end, there was a Sasquatch peeling bark off of a tree. I was frightened at first but then I just got down on my knees at the shoreline and drank some water. It watched me take the drink. Then I sat down and rested for a while. It finished off with the tree bark and then walked away. Then it was time for me to go too. I didn't know if it was going to charge at me, so I left. A co-worker and I were on a business trip around 2007 or 2008 driving on a dark road in South Dakota. I should point out that we weren't allowed to drink on these trips so we were stone sober. I will confess it was late at night and it was a long day, so there is that. It was also a dark rural road lit only by the headlights in front of us. But immediately after what happened and days later, we confirmed we saw the same thing, a man was on the road. All of a sudden. We actually thought we were going to run him over. He sprouted wings and flew up and over the car and out of sight. In 1987 a friend of ours, her name is Sheila, 
and her brother had gone up above the cascade locks and found some steam vents. And those steam vents, we went up and tried to find them, one weekend of that year and we couldn't find them. So what we did was we went back and talked to Sheila and she gave us a map. We went back up there with that map and it was a long way up there and we found them. While we were there, we found those vents and I thought to myself, I wonder how much pressure there is, so I picked up a rock to throw it into the hole to see if it would pop back. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rustoleum's new custom spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage or anything else. Custom spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustoleum. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Out. And when I picked that rock up this tall Bigfoot suddenly appeared. Now let me explain how it looked. It snarled. It was nasty. It stepped over a log that I would have had to crawl over and it stood there and growled at us. I had that rock in my hand and I was getting ready to throw it and I froze. My friend was standing there off to the left of me looking over and that thing snarled at us. It had eyes like a cherry on your cigarette. When I was a kid I had heard stories about this. While we were standing there, my buddy's friend took off running and it turned its body and followed him but when he got too far, he turned himself to me and looked me in the eye and I'm not kidding, I got the biggest rush I've ever had in my life. I remembered that the native people used to say, that if you see one and you look him in the eyes, he will steal your soul. It scared the crap out of me. I swear back in 2010 I saw the Mothman. It was dark but I'll never forget the massive red eyes staring at me through the woods. I was in a vehicle with my two buddies on a dirt trail. It was in Truro, Nova Scotia, Canada. It wasn't the only time things happened in those woods but that was definitely the craziest time. One moonlit night in winter at 7.20 p.m., a practical, and down-to-earth retired solicitor's clerk, Miss Bertha Humphreys of North Walsham in Norfolk, stumbled upon the inexplicable. She recalls, it had been snowing heavily, and when I took my little dog for his evening walk, the ground was thickly carpeted with snow, so I decided to go for a short walk down one side of the road and up the other. Sooty was on a lead, and at the bottom of the Mundesley Road, where she resides, near Crow's Lane, they crossed and returned on the other side, walking slowly because it was slippery underfoot. She recounts, I glanced ahead and at the top of the road where it swerves at the bend, I saw a dull, 
Red glow moving above the ground from side to side. At first I thought it was the rear lights of a car reversing. Then the glowing still persisted moving, I thought possibly it was snow spots I was seeing, just as one sees sunspots. I rubbed my eyes, we walked on. Then I stopped and stared, as the object had now emerged from the narrow part of the road and was floundering along. It was a jet black oblong shape, dark and bat-like, and in the center was a circle of dull red light. I stood still, mystified when the next thing I knew it was coming towards me slowly and taking up the complete crown of the road. When it reached the wider section of the road, near the orchard garden's public house, it floundered and fluttered and slowly rose into the air across the open space until it reached the housetop level, the red circle still glowing and the black shape flapping and billowing like a cloak. Then I observed it was dragging behind, as it were the tail of a kite, a miniature of itself, black, oblong, with a glowing red circle in the center. It stayed for a second or two at rooftop level, then with renewed effort shot up to a much higher level, floating again. Then it shot up higher still and disappeared in the clouds. All this was in complete silence as the object made no noise whatsoever, although it struggled hard to get airborne. It would seem that the object got caught in the narrow section of the road, as the red glowing was drifting from side to side. It was not until it came floundering to the wider part that I could see its shape, which took the form of an oblong sail and it floated towards me. After it became airborne and had disappeared from sight, a gentleman came along. I asked him if he had seen an unusual object in the sky. He unfortunately had been gazing down watching his step, as it was very dangerous walking. He had seen nothing and suggested that the object might be something sent out from the radar station to warn ships. Needless to say, I did not tell how the object became airborne, and that it had previously been floundering along the Mundesley Road. She told no one of her uncanny experiences as she was sure that nobody would believe her, but stressed it was perfectly true. She later wrote to the Astronomer Royal about the incident, but no response was forthcoming. I had a few encounters with Sasquatch, a whole family of them as a matter of fact. A friend and I found ourselves smack dab in the middle of Sasquatch country in north central Washington. We went 45 miles to the end of the road and we hiked 6 miles up in and around, then we hiked the 2000 feet elevation gain. By the time we got there, it was totally dark. I shined my light ahead of him and I saw these red eyes right in front of him like in the back. I said, stop. Don't go that way. And it was right on the end of a cliffside. We almost got to where we were supposed to camp and we went around the other way a couple hundred yards. When we got to where we were going and set up camp in the middle of this clear cut because an avalanche or a snow slide came through and took everything out. And right over there in that exact spot where I had just grabbed him. All of a sudden we heard a 300 pound boulder just, like, crashing through the brush and it was like a totally flat spot and that's when it started. They pretty much left us alone all night. The next morning we started hearing the rock knockers around us, up on the cliff. We started hearing what sounded like 300 pound giant woodpeckers and I figured it was them, they were making this noise with their throats but really loud. And they were moving around a lot, in the woods, 
but we couldn't see anything. Then we heard him, the screaming howler, the big daddy, coming up the valley, letting out this roar every minute for half an hour straight. He would scream for 30 seconds. He sounded like the Westmoreland Pia howler if you ever heard that. We hiked out of there and they let us go. My father swears to have seen the Mothman. He lived in downtown Los Angeles, circa 1970, and was walking through a neighborhood with a friend around 11 p.m. Suddenly, they noticed a very tall or lanky and limber, black short-furred but naked man with bright red laser shine eyes and wings that looked like a moth's but translucent. They claim it was basically parkouring a few home roofs at a time. The wings seemed to shortly glide it, more than flap or propel it. It was a dead quiet night, yet there were no sounds of landing contact. It glanced at them briefly and continued until it leapt over a small building and kept going. My dad's friend immediately committed to and became a pastor. My dad was a very talented man who sought the most out of life. That sighting made them rethink the value of their lives. This is about to be a long post so, apologies ahead of time. I never believed in cryptids at all until I saw one myself. I didn't know that there was a Mothman then, but what I saw was eerily similar. It was in late December of 2005, easy to remember because I'd gotten LASIK, surgery, on both my eyes and I had better than 20-20 vision at the time. I was living in an apartment complex that had a communal laundry in the center. It was a bit after sunset and I happened to look up at the roof of my building, and that's when I saw it. At first, I thought it was a person, crouched on the roof, resting their head and arm on one knee. Except, it was grey, incredibly muscular, and looked like a gargoyle to me. We locked eyes, it made a large huff sound, like a bull, and it galloped across the roof line, the sound was like a horse, and then it leapt and the biggest wings I've ever seen came out of it, with an unforgettable whoosh. These things exist. I wish there were a way to show my memory of it to people. I have literally never heard of BEKs before that night in May 2023. After taking my girl out for a night where she had a bit too much to drink, after holding her hair. She doesn't usually let loose like that, we know alcohol can lower our vibrations. Anyway, I was hopped up on caffeine from being the designated driver. So after I tucked her in, I went for a drive. Not two blocks from my house, in Henrico County, Virginia, I saw a little kid, maybe 10, a boy, on the side of the road in a black hoodie. He waved and I slowed down to see if he was okay. Before I rolled my window down, I had a bad feeling of dread. The kid looked up and had pale skin, empty eyes, black eyes, just so black and void. I didn't stick around. I sped off and came home. I was freaked out. Then my dog started growling. He started looking at the door. I didn't look out but I felt an unexplainable dread so I prayed the Lord's Prayer and then my dog stopped growling. Then I googled kids with black eyes and went down this rabbit hole. The sighting happened at 1.10 am approximately in the lakeside area of Henrico, Virginia, near Richmond.
I am so freaked out that I haven't slept well after the incident. Also, the kid grinned but something about the grin was off. Didn't speak to him. I think it was spring or summer so my aunt was out late. She was only around 15 so my Nona would wait up until 11 or 12 for her. This night she went to bed early but left a note to tell my aunt I was asleep on the couch so be quiet. My Nona would always leave the microwave light on for me, I had and still have shadows, windows at night, and the dark. After around 4 hours of sleep I woke up feeling strange, like my presence was known. I took a minute for my eyes to adjust but standing at the bottom of the stairs was a person. It was not my aunt because she is African American and the figure was white, like glowing. It also appeared to be male and I could make out some features like glasses and suspenders. It looked like he was about to walk up the stairs when turned and stared at me. After a minute I closed my eyes and went back to sleep. When I told my Nona she said it was my grandfather. But in all my years he has never been upstairs but twice. My cousin and her husband just had their first baby and were going out to eat for the first time with her. Their baby girl was having a great time, looking at everything, giggling, etc. An older woman came up to them and commented that their baby was adorable and had big, beautiful eyes. As soon as she walked away, the baby started crying, like someone is squeezing the life out of her type crying. They took her home and she kept crying. And screaming. For 24 hours straight. They next day my family and my aunt, cousin's mom, went over because of what was happening. My aunt took one look at the baby and said the lady from the restaurant gave them the evil eye. She proceeded to take two dried chilies from the cupboard. Lighting the gas stove, she placed one chili in the flame and let it burn, the grey smoke drawn up by the vent, as expected. She then took the second chili and passed it over the crying baby while praying. She then put this second chili in the flame and, I am not exaggerating here, the chili burned to ash so quickly and the smoke was green. Their baby immediately stopped crying. I have never seen anything like this ever. One night I was alone with my mother in our home. She was doing the dishes when I went outside to put the garbages in the bin. On my way back, I was thinking about various things and something came to my mind that I wanted to tell her, I don't remember what but it's not important for the story. So I just keep that in mind to avoid to forget it. I can't explain the layout of the house but basically when I got back into the house, I saw my mother going upstairs. She used the stairs at the end of the corridor. The light was tuned off but I saw her silhouette and I heard the wooden stairs crackling as all wooden stairs do. So I said to myself I need to remember what I have to say when she comes back basically. So I go back in the kitchen which is just behind the door next to me. When I enter the kitchen I jump scared. My mother was here. I just took few seconds to process the situation. It was impossible for her to come back in twos. I went to take the biggest knife we had and told my mother to stay downstairs and to be ready to call the cops because someone was upstairs. Yes, I went upstairs with a knife. Not the most clever decision. So I went upstairs, 
I took my biggest voice, which is not scary at all, and asked the person to show up and I would let it go. No answer. I am going in all the rooms, one by one, I am looking under every beds, into every wardrobes. Nobody. I check all the windows, all closed. Nobody was upstairs and nobody could escape through a window. I never find out who or what I saw. Now I have to say that a lot of weird things happened in this house. Shutters closed by themselves. Weird things happening with the electricity. Plenty of things I can't remember everything. Probably 10 years after this event, my mother saw her grandmother at night, she died when I was really young. She woke up and she was there. They discussed for hours. My mother learned things she did not know and she could verify few days later. She could not have known these things by herself before. She did not told me those things. I also have to say my mother did not believe in supernatural before. I think she does now and I like to think I saw her grandmother that night and she was wandering in the house until she could tell her those things. When I was about 5 years old or so, I was laying awake at night on my crib in my parents' bedroom. I specifically remember the door being closed in the room so my siblings couldn't have done what was about to happen. And I'm laying there I'm thinking about a million things and suddenly this great force pushes the bottom of my bed and I am propelled a few inches off my bunk. It had about three times consecutively. My best way of describing it is if someone stuck their palm out and pushed from underneath the bed. I immediately covered myself w the blankets, beyond scared. I didn't wake up my parents or cry, for reasons that I have always been curious about. I look at the doorway for a few moments trying to rationalize the moment, hoping it was one of my siblings. The door never opened. I someone fell asleep and the next day when I brushed my teeth I looked underneath my bed and all there was were some of my shoes and toys. To this day I will always remember the experience vividly and I'm always curious what was that aggressive force. couple of things but they were explained eventually. 1. In high school my bedroom was in the basement and I was home alone and my bedroom was shut but it slammed as if someone hit the door from the outside and it freaked me the f out I walked around the house looking for someone and then I just left until my parents came back. Happened a few more times and then I eventually realized something jammed the hinge. So the door would shut but it wouldn't be shut all the way and eventually it would pop into place very forcefully. 2. I wake up in the middle of the night to my mom yelling down the stairs asking if I was okay and I was confused as hell but she said someone was yelling and it woke her up. This happened a few times and she kept assuming it was me. Then one night I'm awake super late as it normally happens around 3 am. And I hear it too and it's blood curdling as if someone is being murdered and it's pretty damn loud but you can't really tell where it's coming from. We hear it a couple more times and although we never for sure found out we are pretty certain the old guy next door was having night terrors. He was pretty quiet but every now and then he would show some signs that he was a bit disturbed and angry, I'm assuming he has PTSD or something. My family was staying over at my uncle's place. I had been looking forward to going because I love his cat, Guy, 
but he told us that guy had died about a week before we came up. He was an old cat so I wasn't surprised, just disappointed. The first night I sleep on the couch and I'm having a hard time falling asleep in a strange house. I'm facing the back of the couch, eyes open just kind of zoning out when a car driving by casts light that slides across the whole room. When the light runs up the wall behind the couch, I feel the light tap of a small animal jumping on the couch around my feet. I've owned cats all my life, so it's very distinctive to me. I don't move. Light footsteps move up the edge of the couch until I feel something round and soft flop into the crook of my knees. It begins to warm that spot and I feel drowsy almost immediately. I told my family, but the only one who believed me was my uncle he said the guy always slept in the crook of his knees. Not super creepy but just really odd and to this day unexplained. When I was in high school I had a habit of staying up really late, usually just dicking around on the internet playing games, editing photos, or video chatting with people in other states. I lived in a pretty dense suburb with a lot of light pollution that had a distinct orange hue. That orange glow is a distinct part of my nighttime memories of staying up late, sitting on my rooftop, or sneaking out with friends. One night, around 3 am, I get a chill and something just feels off. It took me a while to figure out what it was until I noticed the stream of light coming in between my curtains is green. Then I realize everything around me has taken on this green hue, like someone put a filter over my vision. I open the window and it's the same outside. It doesn't seem like the lights have visibly changed color but everything is green, even the ambient glow of the light refracted through the hazy, humid air. Convinced I'm losing my mind I woke up my little sister to ask her if everything is green. She's confused for a moment, and does in fact think I'm nuts, but after she wakes up a bit and adjusts confirms that everything is in fact green. We sat up together for a while, looking around and trying to come up with an explanation, and over the course of about 30 minutes the green slowly faded away back to the familiar orange glow. Never figured out what happened and every now and then I still wonder about it. So with me the most recent one was when I went to take a bath. We have one of those old bathtubs that are raised off the ground. I was standing on a towel turning on the bath when all of the sudden the towel I'm standing on gets pulled underneath the bathtub. At first I laughed it off because I thought it was one of my cats playing with me, but when I tried pulling the towel out from underneath the bathtub with my foot it wouldn't come out from under. Eventually after a minute or two I finally got it out, but there was a handprint from where the towel was pulled under and it was larger than my handprint. I also ended up looking underneath the bathtub and nothing was there. With my mom she was in the kitchen doing something I don't remember what, but she heard a male child laughing behind her when she turned around there was a smaller black shadow standing in the doorway. Then it said hi to her and disappeared. Another time she was sitting at the computer when she was home alone and all of the sudden she had pebbles being tossed at her. Just before my 10th birthday, I dreamed that I killed my grandfather by stabbing him in the heart. He died of a massive heart attack within a week of that dream, on my birthday. 
When I was in high school, I dreamed an acquaintance of mine died in a car accident. Two days later, she tried to beat an 18-wheeler onto the freeway and didn't make it. Killed two other young ones from our school with her. When I was in college, I dreamed that two people I didn't know were hit by a car while jogging. An old man ran down two members of the track team while they were out jogging a day or two later. I didn't know them, but I heard details about it from a friend of mine who was on the track team and knew them well. I don't keep a dream journal anymore. I worked at an assisted living or nursing home for a few years. When I was first hired, my co-workers told me the place was haunted, but I just brushed it off because every nursing home I have worked at, I was told was haunted. A lot of creepy stuff did happen at that place, though, but I'll just tell the creepiest one. I worked the third shift, from 9pm to 7am. My job was to distribute nighttime medicine, clean, check the doors to make sure they were locked, and walk around with a walkie-talkie to check in on old people if needed. Mostly, I would sit in this big chair and draw. One night, chores were finished, I was doodling in my favorite chair, and down the hall to my left was Mrs. Wilson's door. She was a funny lady, cranky as hell, and a bit of a hoarder but super cool. So, I'm sitting in the chair, and I hear knocking on her door. I look over, and no one is there. Mobility-wise, there is no way it's her knocking on her own door. I start putting my drawing stuff away so I can check on her anyway, and I hear knocking again, but this time it's very aggressive. I drop my stuff and walkie-talkie to the janitor that she is knocking on her door like crazy, and I may need help. As I approach her door, I hear her yelling. God damn it. Just come in. It's unlocked. I open the door, and she is in her recliner where she preferred to sleep. I ask if she was knocking, and she snaps back at me. Me knocking? It's you knocking on my damn door every damn night. I'm sick of it. I just told her I was sorry and would leave her alone. She said she would get me fired if I didn't stop messing with her. I talked to my manager in the morning, and he assured me my job was secure and told me everyone who has lived in that room complains about someone knocking on the door at night. Freaked me out. Another time, I heard an old man's voice ask me, what are you drawing, little lady? I answered as I looked up because it was not unusual for the residents to be up and walking around at all hours, but no one was there. I got up and looked everywhere. No one was there. The janitor and I spent a lot of breaks smoking and telling our stories. Here's a little backstory before I get into it. I'm 19 years old. My grandparents on my mother's side passed away a few years before I was born. My grandmother passed away in the dining room, which back then was her bedroom since she was severely ill after her stroke. My bedroom at the time was right above on the second floor. Up until a few years ago I never knew what she looked like but only knew of stories. Here's where it gets interesting. I was maybe five, or six years old, and my father worked third shift, and my mom was yet to come home from work. My neighbor attached to us had come over and she put my sister and I to bed, my sister is three years older than me, it was late that night when I woke up and my bedroom door was open. 
and I saw an older woman standing in the doorway. She had white hair and pink curlers, and a nightgown on. And she was just standing there. I don't remember feeling any sort of fear, or being uncomfortable. But I wasn't confused as well. Keep in mind, I'm still to this day afraid of the dark at times. I always fear somebody is watching me, so having this thing in the doorway would have been terrifying to me. Jump forward almost 11 years, keeping that to myself, I'm with my mom and my sister going through photos we had found and photos from my aunt. There's one of my grandmother sitting at the kitchen table using an old phone, with a cigarette in her hands, her hair in curlers, and a pink nightgown on. The outfit she was wearing when she passed away a couple years later. I believe in paranormal, I believe that ghosts exist, and I believe I saw my grandmother that night. My mother never wore her hair in curlers. So I have a few stories. I'll preface by saying I've always thought my entire neighborhood is haunted, and still do. When I suggested this as a kid, literally no one believed me, but recently other people have had encounters. As a child, I would see three white semi-transparent figures cross past my bedroom door every night. One tall, thin guy, one average-heighted guy with an average build, and one short, bigger guy. I also recall seeing a figure climbing the stairs when I was a child. The figure was wearing dark clothes, purple, maybe black. My backyard is very large, with a thin tree line that opens up to a small field with power lines running through it, leading to a forest with a highway. As soon as it gets dark, beyond the first thin tree line, you get the most intense feeling that you're being watched, and your presence is unwanted. This has been felt or discussed by all my friends. Some suggest that there is a Native American presence back there, possibly native land. It's sometimes alluring, and in one particular incident, my friends and I felt like we were in a vortex of sorts. We were in the woods, laughing and being loud, and there seemed to be so much energy building up between the three of us. We were completely unaware of what was happening around us. Suddenly, it seemed like all the energy was sucked out of the air, we instantly became aware of our surroundings, and we all got an eerie, creepy feeling. Needless to say, we left the woods. One morning when I was a child, my brother and I were eating breakfast with my dad in the kitchen, and all of a sudden, we hear music going full blast in reverse coming from the basement. Someone, or something, had turned on my dad's music equipment in the basement, playing my brother's CD at full volume in reverse. There's no way it could have gone on by itself. There is a presence I refer to as the old man, and whenever I talk about him on or around our property, I get goosebumps, my eyes water, I shiver, and feel his aggressive presence. He hates to be talked about and lingers in the dark. I don't know much about all this as I cut myself off from my curiosity in communicating or opening myself up to the other side after a complicated or intense experience as a teenager, which frightened me, but I am fully convinced of his presence. It would terrify me to be alone in the house growing up, and I felt him the most in the basement. Our toy room was in the basement growing up, more of a closet than anything. Numerous times, I found myself playing in the toy room and sensed someone coming down the stairs and entering the basement. 
I was always so sure it was my brother coming to scare me, and I'd call out to him trying to talk, and every time when I got no answer, I'd peek out to find no one in the basement. There was always that eerie feeling of being watched in my basement. When my brother was in college, he drove home for the night to hang out and planned on driving back to school in the morning. He woke up late and couldn't find his wallet anywhere. He looked all over his room, all over the house, it was gone. So he left without it. When I got home from my classes, my dad was about to exit my brother's room after looking for my brother's wallet around his bed, on his bedside table, all the normal places. I entered the room, and he followed after me telling me he already looked everywhere. I kid you not, I round the corner of his bed, and his wallet is sitting in the middle of his floor next to the bed. My dad said that made no sense as he literally just got down on the floor where it was to look under his bed for it. Neighbors. So finally, my family is starting to believe me around the time they obtained this information. At a little neighborhood gathering, my parents were talking to neighbors two houses down, and they said they hear footsteps in their house constantly, and they found old strange things in their yard. My next door neighbor told me recently, as we discussed the paranormal, that her younger brother had woken up in the middle of the night, fully awake, and saw a woman's figure standing in his room. She added to this, saying she definitely believed there was some kind of presence in our neighborhood. There are more smaller incidents and some others, one in particular, that I don't discuss, and I'm sure I'm forgetting others, but here are the ones that stick out. Also, I used to mess around with this Ouija board, I know, so stupid, and nothing ever really happened. We did it officially too, three candles, three people, incense. I used to keep it propped up on the window above my bed when not in use, and it would fall on me while I slept but I never really thought anything of it. One time I tried to cleanse my room with the herb sage, and after I did, I put the sage out, as witnessed by a friend, there was no smoke. We left, and I get a call a while later, and my room was literally on fire. The fan in my room had reignited the sage, that was witnessed to be completely out by me and a friend. The Ouija board survived though, I managed to salvage a lot, but I always had a creeping feeling that it was retaliation for trying to cleanse the room. Now it just hangs on my wall. I sometimes joke about using it, but I don't know if I ever would again.